Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. Who's ready for the Word? Come on, who's ready for the Word? Tonight we get to talk on week three, which is the central week, if you're good at maths, out of our five-week series on one another's. The 59 one another's in the Bible. And there's not enough time across this series to go through all 59 in detail, but most of them fit into five main categories. And the first one being what Pastor Sam shared a couple of weeks ago, that we are the church. And oftentimes we hold church to a standard that we don't hold ourselves. And it's a revolutionary thought sometimes to be reminded of the truth that Jesus told us, which was, we are the church. So if there's an issue, if there's a need, if there's a behavior or a character level that we need to hold the church to, then can I encourage you to be reminded by the truth that we need to hold ourselves to that same standard? Because Jesus says we are the church, right? And then last week, Pastor Tico shared on love one another. Love one another, which if you boil the Bible down into like one word, it's love. It's love. Love God, love others, and yourself. It's love one another. And then this week, we're talking about serve one another. And in the next couple of weeks, we'll talk about honor one another and encourage one another. But friends, I want to tell you that tonight, it's not by coincidence that serve one another is the central message of this series. Because what's central to the message of the gospel and in the Bible and the message of Jesus is to serve. Is to serve. The greatest way to love someone is to serve them. Some of you didn't catch that. The greatest way to love one another is to serve one another. And if we can serve one another, we can be entrusted with what God has purposed for us. But so many times we go through life feeling like we want to be the CEO of our life. Right? They can't tell me what to do. You won't tell me how to think. Friends, can I challenge you tonight that God will only entrust you with what you can submit to. He can only entrust you with what you can submit to. And there's nothing wrong with being self-employed. And I don't even just mean vocationally as a job. There's nothing wrong with being purposed around who speaks into your life and what you feed on and what we believe. But friends, if you're in that position self-promoted out of a place that says actually, no, it's actually an issue of pride. I can't submit to stuff. Then you need to deal with an issue of pride. We all do. Serve one another. Serve one another. Do you know the word serve appears 200 times in the Bible? So we know it's something that's worth paying attention to. We know it's something that Jesus challenges and encourages us to do. In fact, he kind of flips this whole idea of serving and of kingship and of promotion on its head. Because where the world would say one thing, he said, I didn't come to rule but to serve. He says, if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom, you got to serve. In fact, at one point in time with his disciples, he washes their feet, which was a job reserved for the lowest of the servants. In that moment, some of the disciples said, no, 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 you're not going to wash my feet because you're Jesus. And he says to them, if I can't wash your feet, you can't be my disciple. 
which is a massive concept for this king, right? Our Lord, Jesus, the one with all authority to take off the cloak of authority of a rabbi, of a teacher, of a man of prominence and significance and put on the clothes of a servant. And they had the days where we didn't have cars, we didn't have paths, we didn't have roads. So you walked where animals walked. So you might be washed and clean, but often your feet weren't. So when he took that moment to wash his disciples' feet, he was modeling something that he wanted us to catch, which was the spirit of serving. And if we can serve, then we can be promoted in the kingdom. It's the opposite way round for the triangle, where we would otherwise try and climb to the top. Jesus says, no, 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 unless you can lift other people up. Come on, unless you can serve, serve one another. Say, serve one another. The greatest commandment, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You can flip that into serve the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind, and serve your neighbor as you serve yourself, because the greatest way to love someone is to serve them. Serve one another. Gone real quiet. (laughs) I didn't come to preach to myself tonight. I can do that at home. (laughs) You know, sometimes we get into the thinking that if we're up in the bleachers, you know, my praise doesn't matter as much as the person in that position. Do you know, if I can hide in the second row, do you know, my worship can just be on the sideline out of convenience. Do you know, if I can push myself back into somewhere that nobody can notice me, come on, the level of faith and expectation that I'm going to meet Jesus in this place and encounter him can kind of just camouflage itself because it's not in that position. Do you know Jesus sees you just the same? It's not about a platform or a position. His ability to see you, his heart for you doesn't change because of the fact that you're sitting in the bleachers. And I'm not just talking about this physical building. The same praise that you have, the same worship that you have, the same expectation and faith that you have for God to move in whatever area of life you find yourself, whatever territory you find yourself placed in. Come on, He wants to move through you. He wants to use you. But He can only use you if you submit, if you'll serve Him. And here's the thought, right? If you ain't serving, you ain't family. Say this with me. Ain't serving? Ain't family. Say it again. Ain't serving? Ain't family. If I go to a restaurant as a guest, how many know there's certain parts of that restaurant that I don't have access to? In fact, there's certain times of the day where I can't even get in. And sometimes there's staff and there's people in the building. But because it's outside of opening hours, I can't access it. But how many know if I'm family, it don't matter if there's people in the building or not. I got a whole nother level of access. If I'm family, there's no restricted area that I can't walk into another part of the room. And I feel like God wants to remind us and encourage us and challenge us to say, come on, you're family. You're family. So come on, family serves. And when we serve, we get access. We get access to stuff that we don't otherwise get when we're a guest. We didn't come to consume. Come on, we came to be part of something that was bigger than ourselves. Sometimes I wonder if 
I have this conversation alone or if somebody else shares this with me where it's like, God, if you just set me free, then I'll serve you. Because I'm carrying some stuff right now. I'm dealing with some stuff right now. And if you could just help set me free, and then I'll serve you. And Jesus is like, I want to serve you free. And not from a way where he wants to necessarily serve us, but he wants us to serve through some stuff into freedom. And it's like, no, 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 you didn't hear me. I said, set me free. And he's like, I heard you. But I spell set, S-E-R-V-E. Come on, I want to serve you free. In fact, if you're asking the question, what's your will for my life? Can I just break it down into one word? Because I've read the book, right? Serve. That's it. Serve. Oh, no, no, God, if you'll show me your will for just these next few months, maybe the next year, maybe the next 10 years, then I'll do your work. In my life and in my experience, when I do his work, I discover his will. It doesn't work the other way around. Because there's no faith involved in sitting still and waiting for discovering his will before I'll do his work. But if I'll just step out in obedience, in consistency, and just saying yes in faith and saying, do you know what? This is what's on my plate. This is what's in front of my face. This is what you've entrusted me with right now. How many know that I'll discover a will that I never would have dreamed of just because I served? That's it. It's the key is to serve. If you want to know his will for your life, serve. In fact, if you want to increase in your authority, serve more. If you want to raise the level of your influence, serve more. If you want breakthrough of past mindsets and self-limitations, just serve more. If you want to be set free, serve more and deal with issues of pride or of unforgiveness or of challenges in your life, you just got to serve more. If you want to be more like Christ, serve more. As his disciples, serve more. Serve more. So I've broken tonight down into three points, right? Off the back of the greatest commandment. Somebody say this is good. Serve, number one, his house. Number two, your house. And number three, another's house. Say it with me. Number one, his house. Serve his house. Number two, serve my house. Come on, my house. And number three, serve another's house. It's the greatest commandment. Come on, serve one another. To serve his house. The Lord renews this covenant with Joshua, who's this incredible leader, who was here many years ago, before Jesus walked the earth. In Joshua 24, verse 15, he finishes this powerful passage when it talks about choosing who you're going to serve, and he says this statement, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. How many know that pre-decisions are powerful? Come on, when you look ahead into what the rest of 2019 holds for you, how many know that that's a powerful decision to say, as for me and my house? Come on, when I look to my neighbors, when I look to my friends, choose who you're going to serve, but as for me and my house... What that predecision means is you're serving at a place of conviction and not convenience. Because when it's convenience, it's about, do I feel like this? Can I be bothered doing this? But when we serve from a place of conviction, we don't get led by our emotions. 
come on, when it's challenging and when we're tired and when there's other things that we could be doing, we hold to that conviction to serve from a place of conviction. Come on, serve one another, serve his house. In Deuteronomy 11, it talks about a blessing for obedience. In fact, it's entitled The Blessings because there's so many blessings with obedience. And in the middle of this, central to this passage, from like verse 13 to 27, I'll skip through a few of them. It says, if you carefully obey the commands I'm giving you today and love the Lord your God and get this, serve him with all your heart and soul, then he will send rains in the proper season. How many know rain outside of the proper season is a problem? It's a flood. At least mud. But come on, rain inside of the proper season is not a problem. Come on, it's prosperity. It's wisdom. It's insight. It's favor. It's blessing. It's provision. It's breakthrough. It's healing. Come on, rain in the proper season is blessing. And there's all these blessings for obedience. Harvests of grain, new wine and oil. He'll give you such pasture that's so lush that you'll have everything you want to eat. Come on, how many know that's a good thing? All we ate yesterday was lots of meat. It was awesome. Verse 18 says, commit yourselves wholeheartedly. Serving is a commitment. And it's not a half-hearted one. If you commit wholeheartedly, you can live from that place of conviction that will carry you through a storm. Come on, make the decision. As for me and my house, I'm going to commit wholeheartedly. It says, do you know what? Don't forget these words. They're so important. Tie them to your hands. Wear them on your forehead as a reminder. Imagine putting on the makeup of not L'Oreal or Max. Come on, but the makeup of a servant. Come on, I want to clothe myself in the character of a servant. I wonder how many times we get dressed, but we get dressed in the wrong clothes. I don't want to get dressed in myself, in my past, in my issue, in my lack of faith. Come on, I want to clothe myself in faith. I want to clothe myself with the clothes of a servant. I want to clothe myself in a place that says, I'm willing today, God. I got up, not just for me today. What do you want to do? It says, teach them to your children. What's the best way to teach someone? Model it. Come on, if you'll serve, your kids will serve. My kids don't do stuff at home. What do you do? <laughs> Mine's one and a half. She doesn't do much. It says, talk about them. Come on, write them on your doorposts. So that as long as the sky remains above the earth, your children may flourish. And you. Come on, somebody say flourish. flourish. You want to know God's purpose for your life? It's to flourish. To flourish. Because healthy stuff grows. You don't have to tell it to grow. It just grows. And then it says, the Lord will drive out all the nations ahead of you. If you obey these commands, if you'll serve him, he'll drive out all your enemies, even though they're much greater and stronger, and you'll take over their land. Wherever you set your foot will be land that's yours. There's an inheritance with serving. No one will be able to stand against you because God will cause people to fear and dread you as he promised. And you'll go wherever you want in the whole land. Look, today I give you the choice between blessing and curse. You will be blessed if you obey the commands that he's giving you today. Here's a pop quiz, right? You can choose blessing or curse. Choose blessing. Like every time. Like in no point is choosing curse a good idea. Just in case you were wondering. 
Like, let me break this down for you because I've read the rest of the book. I know how it ends. I promise you. Come on, I can choose blessing, obedience, favor, to serve, to submit, to honor, to love. Or I can choose the opposite. I'm going to choose that in Jesus' name. To serve every time. Because there's blessing when we serve. Serve his house. Number two, somebody say, serve your house. How many know the same dishes that I left on my bench are still going to be there when I get home? The same areas of my carpet that needs a vac that we didn't get a chance to when our friends came around the other day are still going to be needing a vac when I get home. The same bills that need to be paid when I left are going to need to be paid when I get home. How many know if the focus is on one area of serving his house, your house, and other people, it's in dysfunction? If the focus is on two areas, it's still not in his will. God doesn't get honored when we don't pay our bills. He doesn't get honored when we leave our house out of order, when we don't serve our house. It doesn't bring him honor when we live in dysfunction between the people that live under our roof, when we live in friction and tension and fighting and negativity and brokenness. It doesn't bring him honor. Come on, you want to honor God? Serve him and serve at your house. That's why Jesus was so key about this. Right at the top of the Ten Commandments, right up the top half, he puts, honor your father and mother. Honor the people that you live with. Come on, honor your flatmates. Honor your siblings. Honor your kids. Come on, don't live in a place of dishonor because it doesn't bring honor to him. How many know if your focus is on, but I'm serving at church, so I'm not going to do that at home. You're already outside of his will. You out of bounds. Come on, and as referee tonight, can I just blow the whistle and say, get back on the field. Come on, get back on the field. If we can serve our house. In Philippians 4, verse 4 to 7, it gives these words of encouragement. It says, always be full of joy. Come on, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. It doesn't say let them be able to see that you're considerate in all that you think about doing or feel like one day maybe doing or when I can get there maybe it's not about being considerate in your intention it's considerate in your action because all we have to judge is what comes out of your mouth and what comes out of your life what you do and what you say come on let people see that you are considerate when was the last time we were considerate God how do you want me to respond today what do you want me to do at home How can I serve my house? It says, don't worry. Pray. Tell him what you need. Thank him for what he's done. And then you'll experience his peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. It'll guard hearts and minds. How many know that God would guard my life better than I would? I'd much rather entrust him on a scale of one to being in control, being the provision for blessing and obedience, And the protection for my life. Because he's better at it. He can see stuff coming that I can't. He knows what's coming up. It's not a surprise to him. Some stuff that's a surprise to me. Come on, let them see that you're considerate in what you do. In Ephesians 2, 19 to 22, it talks about a temple for the Lord. It says, so now you're no longer strangers or foreigners. You're citizens. You're members of God's family. Someone say, I'm family. 
Come on, you don't always feel like it, but the truth is your family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together. Say, somebody say, joined together. Because serving joins you together. Becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you're also being made part of his dwelling where he lives. How many think that's awesome? I want to be a temple that he lives in. I want to be a place where God says, I'm attracted to that and I can stick around there because you serve. In fact, in the Old Testament, once a year, they would let priests into like the most holy of holy, the inner room, the place that you don't have access to unless you're in that position and if you're in the family to make atonement for all of the sins, his sins and everybody else's. What a job. And they're like, look, if there's any area of your life that's not dealt with, whether you know about it or not, whether you intended it or not, you're going to drop dead if it's out of line. What a job. Man, how would you enter the temple? And it was so bad, like, that, that had so much fear and respect for the Lord that they would put a rope around the foot and put bells around his clothes so that if they heard the bell stop, he did. We've got to drag him out. Because otherwise no one's getting him out. He's just in there. Whoops. And I wonder how many times do I come into his temple and I haven't even considered how I walk in. The issues of my life that I haven't dealt with. The stuff that's going on. Let alone the fact that he says that we are his temple. So now it's not even a building, but it's a position to stand in and submit to. Come on, and if there's unresolved issues in our life, it's killing the blessing. Can I say tonight, it's killing the favor. It's killing the obedient provision. It's killing the breakthrough in our lives because we're just not dealing with our ish. Come on, because there's a room that oftentimes we don't want to access. It might come up once or twice every few years, but I don't want to talk about that because it's not comfortable. God wants to set you free so that he can bring life in areas in your life where you haven't seen breakthrough. Serve. Serve. Number three, serve another's house. Say, serve another's house. Come on, love God. Serve God. As you love yourself, as you serve yourself. Love your neighbor. Serve your neighbor. Serve his house. <laughs> so the other day, true story, I look across the window and I see my neighbor's house for the umpteenth time and their lawn has grown to almost my knee height. And like I know the owner of the house, they're renting across the road from us and how much it cost him for the ready lawn because he told me that when we first moved in and it's not cheap. And I was gutted for him and I see this long lawn with dock leaves and all these weeds growing up in it and I just, I got this disposition where instead of just complaining about it, I wanted to do something about it. Come on, how many know that oftentimes we can see an issue and be like, oh yeah, that's an issue. I can observe that that's an issue, but forget about the fact that I have a lawnmower to deal with that issue. I have the tools to deal with that issue. And so after like psyching myself up, I put my daughter to bed when my wife was out at the garden party and I was like, I can't be a guy who just sees a problem and does nothing about it. So I rock up and I was like, mate, how are you? Knock on his door. He opens his door. He's like, yeah, good. I was like, look, I'm just from across the road. And I just wondered, do you have a lawnmower? Do you know what he said? Yeah, we do. 
And he didn't know how to respond from there, and neither did I. So we had this stalemate for a moment where it was just like, cool. So I said, oh, look, um, uh, uh, I was going to offer to mow your lawn. And he's like, oh, thanks. Oh, yeah, no, we've been leaving it, eh, just until the rain because I don't want the lawn to die. And I'm thinking, mate, if you leave it much longer, there'll be no lawn left to kill. Those weeds are growing long. And then he's like, uh, so, yeah, and so, uh, oh, yeah, I'm going to get onto it today. Oh, yeah, oh, cool. All right, cool. So I walk back over the road. And I get over the road, and, I start, and I'm walking over there thinking, we're going to be such good friends. He's going to wave to me every time because my neighbor's going to think I'm cool now. Here's these nice guys who offered to come and fix a problem because they didn't have a lawnmower. He could be the hero of the day for a moment. And now I'm thinking as I'm walking back, man, he's going to think I'm a muppet. What a judgmental neighbor. I hate that guy. But I bet he never lets his lawn grow long again. And I'm out there having this conversation with myself. As I'm like clipping away, I was like, what am I going to do now? Oh, I'll do some gardening while my daughter sleeps. Okay then. So I'm out the front gardening away and laughing, but also kind of nervous. And he sneaks out with his lawnmower, does not look next door and just mows his lawn. (laughs) And I thought, well, that sermon illustration was going to be awesome, but now that one sucks. (laughs) And this is going to be super, he still doesn't wave to me. Just for the record. But I realized something more powerful happened in that moment than what I had prepared for. All this time, he had the problem solution. He knew it was a problem, but he got muted to it. And all I did was remind him of the tools that he already had to deal with the problem. And rather than fix the problem for somebody else, I think it's way more powerful to remind them of how to set that problem free themselves. And friends, I came to remind somebody tonight, if you have Jesus, you have every tool you need to deal with any problem you could ever face. And all I need to do is remind you of what's in the garage of faith in your life and say, come on, mow the lawn. Deal with the issue so you can serve in a place of freedom. Because everybody else can see it. You might have gone blind to it and said, you know, I'm going to deal with it closer to the time when the rain comes. They might not talk about it. They may not raise it. But friends, if you're living with something which you know is out of line, Jesus can deal with it if you let him. He can set you free. And he can teach you how to be nice to your neighbor's back. In Jesus' name. First Peter talks about oneness in Christ that says, most important of all, not like pretty up there, but like most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. How do you show love for each other? You serve one another. For love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Friends, i got to remind you that serving is a spirit. It has a spirit that we carry. And if we carry a suck it spirit, it's going to destroy the good that we were trying to do. But if we would cheerfully serve, come on, how many know that that's an attractive thing? If I could be cheerful and say, come on, because I love you, because I can put something other than myself first, because I can honor you, come on, then you're going to feel like you're blessed. It says, God has given you each a gift. Say, I have a gift. Turn to your neighbor, tell him, I got a gift. Do you know what that says to me? That tells me that no one here has nothing. 
oh, but I can't serve. I don't know what to do. I've got nothing. Mm-mm. My Bible says that he gave everyone a gift. And then do you know what it says? Use it. To serve one another. Literally, use them well. The gifts God has given you to serve one another. And then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. Come on, if you want to bring honor, if you want to bring glory, if you want to lift Jesus up, just use the gifts He's given you to serve other people, to serve His house, to serve your house. God has given you something. He's given you something. In Colossians, it talks about living the new life. And verse 17, it says, Whatever you do, do it as a representative of Jesus. In verse 23, it says, Work willingly at whatever you do. Someone say, whatever you do. Come on, not ever what you think that you might do. Or one day you suggest that you might hold out for at one point in time. But it's what you do. Because if I'll do His work, I'll discover His will. It says, whatever you do, work willingly at whatever you do as if you were working for the Lord. And remember that He will give you an inheritance as your reward. Oh, but I can't serve them because I just don't see any reciprocation. There's no breakthrough. Come on, there's no provision. They don't even say thanks. You're not serving them. Come on, as we serve one another, the reward may not be theirs to give. It's his. Who the worship team out? Are we here? I need some people. You can stand. There's this moment this week. I need like maybe three people just to sing as yeah, yeah, yeah. Come over here. Yep. Can you stand like here and maybe just come this side and face me, face me. Come this side. Yep. And then can I borrow you too, Liz? Thank you. And somebody's about to catch this. And yep, just stand there, it's perfect. And sometimes in life, you know, when we knock on the door of stuff, stand where you are real firm, and it just doesn't move. I've been pushing in this place of work and promotion. I've been believing for Jesus to break through some stuff, but nothing's moving. It ever felt like stuff was stuck in your life? Come on, there's that relationship that I had in my life and I've been believing for it. Come on, I've been praying for it for so long now, but nothing's moving. It's stuck. The problem doesn't move. Come on, whatever the thing is that's in your life, you say, come on, I've been just believing that God would move and be able to get through this, but I just don't see it moving. Hello? And I felt the Holy Spirit say this. doesn't matter if God takes you around it. It doesn't matter, run it straight, if He takes you through it. It doesn't even matter, duck down, duck down. If He takes you over it. Because someone's about to catch faith here. The problem doesn't move, but God does. And if we're made to be like Him, then it means that if He can move, I can move too. And if I would just serve, if I will just submit, then I can move further from the problem 
to the point where eventually I'll get so far, it's not even in my peripheral vision. It doesn't matter how big the mountain is. Come on, we know that Mount Everest is a big mountain, but can anybody see it from here? Because it's out of your perspective. It's so far from you, you can't even see it. Even if you're a flat earther, it's so far away that you can't even see it. And if you just serve, it doesn't matter if God takes you around it. It doesn't matter if He takes you through it. It doesn't even matter if He takes you over it. But friend, God is moving and the problem's not. So we should rejoice that God's saying, I didn't come to move the problem. I came to move you. I came to take you on a journey. I came to take you somewhere in faith. I came to lift you up and say, come on, wherever you are, I'm not leaving you here. I love you too much to leave you where you are. I'm going to take you from where you were and I'm going to pull you to the place that I've destined. So long as you just serve, will you just serve? Will you serve me? Come on, will you serve my will? Because if you serve His will, you'll discover His will for your life. If I just do His work, if I do His work, come on, somebody right now needs to praise Jesus for the fact that the problem doesn't move, but He does. Come on, someone needs to lift up their voice to say there's a declaration that I can move. The problem doesn't move, but I can move. I can leave it. I'm going to get so far from the problem that it's not a problem. I don't even care about what I cared about when I stood over there. What was a mountain to me in that moment? God has taken me so far from that it doesn't even matter if that doesn't move because I've moved. I've moved. And I've moved because I served. That's all He's looking for is obedience. Serve. Serve one another. Come on, serve His house. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.